it's first grade, and I'm that kid with the big, thick glasses. I'm also the one with a patch on my strong eye that was intended to make the lazy one work. Success. My vision improved exponentially. But when I take off my glasses, the scene in front of me changes considerably. And the world would look very different to you if I lent you my glasses, as my friends discover when they use them to read a menu, for example. This story resonates with me as I do my job, which is to teach critical thinking and decision-making in the School of Business at the University of Miami, also known as ethics. I ask my students to understand that they see the world and their decisions through their own lens, in a sense, their own glasses. I ask them to take those glasses off and see the world and their decisions from another perspective. Obviously, doing so inspires us to ask different questions and so get different information, become better informed as a result, and take positions that are more thoughtful and more defensible. I am a lawyer, after all. I also research and write about what happens when we don't do that and the consequences of poor business decision-making. I believe that both business ethics and personal reputation stem from what we see, what we ignore, and what we are just a bit blind to seeing, almost as if we have a patch on a strong eye. I'd like to share with you some of what I've learned from a career of examining the serious legal, economic, and personal consequences of making decisions without seeing clearly or thinking critically. Consider a manufacturing plant in New Jersey that generates toxic waste. The owners, successful business people, wear a particular set of glasses, the bottom line kind. Cheapest and easiest thing to do is to dump that toxic waste in the nearest canal. This makes sense for shareholders and for employees who want to keep their job and would like a raise. These executives are not evil. They're just people trying to make a good, straight-up business decision. But wait, where does that water in that canal go? It runs through a farmer's field where cows graze and people get their drinking water. The plant owners see healthy profits, happy shareholders, but the farmer sees poisoned grass, sick cows, toxic milk. What if those business people had borrowed the farmer's lenses? Would they make the same decision? Probably not. Welcome to Love Canal in the 1960s, or to the drinking water in Flint, Michigan, right now. Love Canal led to the Superfund legislation, which not only required businesses to pay for the cleanup, 
but also required them to do that before they could sell their property. Similar kinds of situations resulted in creating the Environmental Protection Agency. And obviously, the short-term calculation, driven by one way of seeing things, turned out to be very expensive in the long term, as we all understand today. Critical thinking requires putting on those far-sighted lenses, the ones that help us see the long-term, far-reaching consequences of our decisions. This is the kernel of philosopher John Stuart Mill's utilitarian approach. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, I got this. I'd never dump toxic waste. But plenty of people did. Let me give you another example. A few years ago, I taught an executive MBA class that met five Saturdays from 8 until 5 in Boca, about an hour from my home. The first two weeks, I arrived in plenty of time. But the third week, for a good personal reason, I was running late. The only way I'd get there in time would be if I drove 80 miles an hour up I-95. Lots of people do that. I've never had a speeding ticket. I maintain my car very well. I'm the perfect candidate for a quick trip. But would I want everyone to follow my lead? My then-teenage daughter? My 70-year-old mother? Absolutely not. And if I'm not willing to have everyone faced with my dilemma, choose my solution, then I must find another one. No exceptions. Not even just once, for a very good reason. This is my very shorthand version of Kant's categorical imperative, the universal law. Taking an extra minute to think, the obvious option, in my case, speed, arrive on time, deliver what the students pay for, is replaced by other, better solutions. Perhaps I can buy my students pizza and work through lunch. Perhaps I can keep them late for a couple of sessions. These alternatives only come into focus when I take off my own thick glasses. I chose the pizza option, and I paid for it myself. What do these stories have in common? They illustrate the same three truths. First, ethical decisions are almost always expensive, at least in the short run. We tend to focus on the immediate, the quarterly return, the quick fix. This skews the way we think about long-term costs and benefits, so we need to pay attention to those considerations. Second, we tend to make exceptions for our own good judgment, not really seeing or considering whether we'd want someone less careful, less informed, to solve the problem the way we propose to. And third, very important, being a part of an organization results in unconsciously adopting its priorities. It's as though we have two pairs of glasses, one for work and one 
for our personal life. We actually have blind spots that interfere uh, with what we think we would do in any given situation. And these are known as cognitive biases. Let me give you a quick final example and offer some strategies. In the 1990s, the financial industry made it very easy for people to purchase a home, even if they could not really afford one. People with ninja ratings, no income, no job or assets, <laughs> got mortgages, which the lenders cut up into collateral debt obligations and sold to investors. Sellers made huge profits. Those buyers who had no idea what they were buying, plus the homeowners and the economy, were left holding the bag. This situation demonstrates all three of my truths. Short-term profit won over the long-term cost to all of us. Second, those trading and those CDOs were not considering the perspectives of others, you, and me, and the economy. And finally, being part of Wall Street in the, 19, in the early 2000s meant wearing glasses that generally only saw dollar signs, blind to the wholly unethical architecture of those transactions. In Blind Spots, a very cool book if you're an ethics teacher, Bazerman and Ten Brunsell explore cognitive biases in ethical decision-making. And they describe two gaps in our critical thinking, motivated blindness and indirect blindness. Now, motivated blindness is when one simply does not see the potential for harm, which especially happens in a business setting. In experiment after experiment, when put in a business role, people will simply ignore the harm caused by a decision. But when put in a more neutral case study role, they will condemn that same harm. Dumping toxic waste, selling CDOs, it's fascinating. Indirect blindness is when suggestions for problematic decision-making are made to subordinates who perhaps cannot see the harm as clearly, in part because of incentives, promotion, pay raises, the like. Here, the actor is considered far more culpable than the higher-up, and recent examples abound. Wells Fargo, VW, we could go on and on. What does all this add up to? How to clearly see in the moment and protect our own reputations. First, borrow glasses. In every major decision, consider the perspectives other than what you yourself see. What are the ripple effects of your decision? Think an extra moment. Apply that universal law. Would you want everyone to do as you're about to do? Could society itself survive? Are there other, better options to consider? And third, beware those blind spots. 
They are very deeply embedded. This really does take great focus and perhaps outside assistance. Sometimes organizations appoint individuals to sit at the table and represent the interests that might otherwise not be because of blind spots. All this may sound very simple, but it requires rigorous attention on a daily basis. If we consciously exercise our eyes to see clearly every day, we'll be better able to recognize and navigate through major turning points. I learned some of these lessons not just from 30 years of teaching and scholarship. I learned them from my first boss, Charles Morgan Jr., who spent a good decade here in Atlanta as the head of the ACLU in the 1960s. My first day at work in his private law firm in Washington, D.C., he said to me, today is the first day of your professional reputation. Everything you say, everything you do, and everything you sign will be a part of that. And so if a case comes into the office that you do not want to be a part of your personal portfolio, please come and discuss it with me. Your reputation is more important than any case in this office. He was using my personal glasses. Consider that. I challenge my students to both look for and to be that kind of manager. The strategy of borrowing and really using, in a metaphorical sense, another pair of glasses helps us all make not only the best business decision, but also protect our own personal reputation. Take it from a woman with glasses. It works. Mm -hmm.